Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Firm Returns Weekly. Got quite a bit of stuff to discuss and it's about some companies that, um, well it's not going to be on Tiny Build, which I think has been <laughs> the focus of quite a few episodes uh, recently. Uh, yeah, a bit of a quiet week for Tiny Build news, so we're going to, thankfully, we've got some pretty big news on Aviva to pick up on, a uh, bit of news on Taylor Maritime Investment, and then a little bit on Warner Brothers Discovery as well. So um, I will share my screen in a, in a second. But one thing I just wanted to mention, I have a few people comment about <laughs> the T-shirts I've been wearing. Uh, Opus has appeared a few times, as well as Green Lung, I think, is another one with the with the goats on it. Today, it's American Head Charge, which is a, um, it used to be an industrial metal band, uh, which I first saw, they came to um, to York when I was, was working as a student in a, in a bar and nightclub there, which is also a gig venue. But yeah, it's, uh, so give them a look if anybody's interested. <laughs> so, like I say, unfortunately, the band is dissolved. All uh, right, so anyway, let's get back onto the business. So I'll share my screen. Right, so the big news on Aviva is there have been some takeover rumors. And uh, this was reflected in the share price back in the, earlier in the month on the 6th of October, as we saw a pretty big jump. At the time, I hadn't really uh, bothered to look too much into what had caused the spike. I think when I first looked, I couldn't see anything. But um, later that day, and I, which I then went back and had a look at in the last week, uh, it turned out there'd been some chatter in various places about a, a takeover. And that is what had sent the price up from about £3.80 a share to £4.20 plus. Um, but yeah, it's since come back down to sort of below uh, £4 again. And I think that's just as the overall FTSE 100 and markets generally have been quite negative with um, various geopolitical news stories and so on that have come out in that time. Um, obviously, there was a pretty big event on the 7th of October, but I won't go into that. Um so yeah, let's um let's dig into this. So I've got a link to a shares magazine article here, which have a few there are a few different articles um talking about it, but this one I thought was quite good. Gave a few excerpts from the original sources where this these rumors were first floated. Um and they give you an actual uh in this article as well included one rumored um share price that you know, well, offer price that has been proposed. So I'll just read this out. So on Wednesday afternoon, which is the 4th of October, the Financial Times' Betaville blog suggested Aviva was the subject of potential takeover interest, although it described the identity of the buyer as unclear and called the story uncooked, a term used to refer to market gossip. On this morning, which is at the time of the article was the 6th of October, market report, the Times commented that the takeover chatter surrounding Aviva refused to die down and that city sources insisted at least two potential suitors were running a slide rule over the business, attracted by its excess capital and strong cash flow. The paper reported market talk that Allianz of Germany, Intact Financial Corporation of Canada and Scandinavian group Trig were considering their options. 
along with an unnamed US insurer, with at least one mulling a 600 pence per share proposal. So that would be more than 50% um, above the current share price. Personally, I hope a takeover doesn't happen, as I think Aviva has a bright future as a public company, which I would like to participate in as a shareholder. It would also be pretty tragic for the UK to lose its biggest insurance company to foreign ownership, much like it's lost some of its uh, big supermarkets uh, in recent years, Morrison's and Asda being two standout examples. However, the proposed 600 pence per share, sorry, the proposed price of 600 pence per share does illustrate the company the value not currently being recognized by the market. So yeah, this is kind of what, uh, obviously the reason I'm investing in them, because uh, it's uh, really got a big margin of safety there. And this, the fact that these offers have been coming in really does illustrate that how big that margin is, at least 50% upside from here. Um, and if there's multiple parties, I, it could potentially go higher. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I say, I'm holding it for the long term, but now that it's come back down below 400 pence or four pounds, I'm uh, certainly thinking about increasing my position um, in any case, because uh, I mean, I've my average price, I think, is slightly above four pounds per share, so it would be attractive anyway. I was considering when it was getting down to the doldrums in this, down to three pound eighty. Um, adding now you've got a little bit more of a catalyst there in place that um that does increase the short term attraction for building up a larger position. Um, right. So yeah, the other thing we have from Aviva uh, was on Tuesday, the seventeenth of October, we had um they held an in focus wealth event. So this was an event focusing, as you could guess from the title, on its wealth business, wherein they presented their plans for the business over the next five and 10 years, followed by a Q&A session with analysts. It's a really interesting uh, session uh, with a really good presentation with loads of um, market and sort of general industry data. I learned a lot from it, um, learned about aspects of their wealth business that because it's only really been this year i think that they've now categorized they've sort of since the rfs 17 and the acquisition of succession wealth that they've sort of changed their business segments a little bit and they've now this new wealth segment is a uh incorporates segment uh parts of the business that were previously in other um business segments in in prior years so it's um this is the first time I think I've, it's been really portrayed, and I'm sure it'll be. You'll see similar things in the annual report coming up for 2023 as well. Uh, but yeah, it's the first time thing I learned about quite a few aspects of the business that I didn't know about, and it was really interesting to see and very promising, as you as you'll see in a minute, uh, the future um, growth prospects for this this part of the business. So the following slide taken from the presentation shows you how they've performed in the last five years and what they're expecting to achieve by the end of the next decade. So obviously we've had a fair bit of disruption in the last five years and there's no guarantee we won't see more disruption in the following five years. 
especially with the geopolitical tensions out in the way. But um, over the last five years, we've seen around about 9% compound annual growth rate in net um, in assets under AUA. I think it's, it's basically assets under administration, assets under management. Um a little bit unclear exactly on what the, the A at the end is there. Usually it would be AUM, but anyway, let's just assume it's assets under management. So, yeah, there's quite a nice growth up to 2021. It's come down a little bit since then, but we're still getting net flows um, sort of very substantial each year. And they break down um, this into, because quite a bit of the current business is uh, workplace or the, the majority is workplace pension schemes and so um uh direct contribution schemes which are then managing they 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 get the income from the uh, fees which is pretty small the actual thing 0.4 percent or something like that or, or no i'm probably mess, messing up but it's uh it's a pretty low fee it's, it's less than significantly less than one percent fee uh, they charge on that um and then obviously there's the funds that get invested in will charge fees and so on as well and some of them they do manage uh some of them are their funds and so on but uh yeah so a lot of this sort of like net flows comes from a 95 percent i think for the for the workplace um pension business is people adding into their pension every month um so it's existing customers they're not reliant on for to grow uh, this pot um they're not reliant on massively on getting new people for this growth they're already 95 percent of the new of the net inflows come from uh people adding to their existing pensions as their salaries increase and so on so inflation obviously contributes towards this and so on um they capture the upside of inflation with people's salaries rising as well um yeah and you can see the operating profit has it's growing quite nicely over that period as well. And last year was 124 million. So their ambition for uh, five years from now, 2027, will be to have 250 billion pounds or more of assets under whatever A is, um, let's say management or administration. And... Um, to have 280 million pounds or more of profit operating profit from this segment um and then going out to 10 years they're looking to get at least 400 billion pounds of assets under say administration and 500 million pounds or more of operating profit so uh, historically we've seen a, a similar ballpark kind of growth rate over the last five years, but um, well, four years actually. Uh, but yeah, we if we look um, into the future, we actually have some underlying market growth uh, fundamentals which should support this, and they're looking to see basically a very similar ten percent compound annual growth rate is forecast for overall UK wealth, the okay, the overall UK wealth market um, 
assets under administration by 2032 as well. So that's sort of what's underpinning this, I guess. And Aviva's thinking they all um, capture the upside from the the other thing. And and obviously with the 10% plus, uh, they're hoping to expand beyond the underlying trend here. But uh, yeah, this is the underlying fundamentals and it comes from there was quite a few different sources they've drawn this data this forecast data from um so it was it wasn't just like you know them pulling these figures out of thin air they were quite uh substantial uh sort of backing from them but anyway um some look here so yeah, and just to put this into perspective, if they were to achieve their growth ambitions for 2032, the earnings yield on the current share price of, let's say, in this case, I just said four pounds a share, from the well, uh, no, slightly less than four hundred share. I said I think I said eleven billion um, pounds market cap uh, from the well segment alone would equate to around about four and a half percent, which is more than half the current dividend yield so yeah it's uh an awful lot of potential here that this could end up being a sizable part of the overall business and not to mention that the other aspects of the business hopefully will still grow as well so uh yeah just you can really just see a potential for um earnings of aviva to to grow very significantly more than in 10 years it could it could be uh, the overall group could at least at least double over the next 10 years on these uh, i mean 10 this this particular thing here would be like a as you saw in the next one could be like a triple over the next 10 years but um and actually more than a triple if you took at the profit but um for the overall business maybe other segments won't grow quite as much maybe we sort of 2 to 3x um which already for a cheap, for a, a very cheap company, um, where the dividend yield is over eight percent, is uh, is quite attractive to think that it could be two or three times that uh, in ten years' time. So yeah, that rounds up Aviva, and like I say, that's why with this kind of prospects for the next ten years is why I would like to remain a shareholder and hold on to it, but. If it gets acquired, it gets acquired. But we'll, uh, and the, the acquisition at least gives you an idea of maybe where the shares should realistically be trading right now and what they would go for in a private market transaction. So, Taylor Maritime, we have a just a quick one here. So, uh, they've released a 49 page ESG report which provides, amongst other things, some interesting details around the current specification of both the TMI and grind rod fleets. So um, let's see if I can get this up. Yeah, some interesting stuff in here. Obviously, it's going to cover the whole spectrum of ESG, but there were some interesting bits, uh, introductory sections, actually, gave a bit more detail about um, average EA, age, number of port calls, total tonnage, carried all these kind of like, you know, interesting metrics um, to see. And you can see how the grind rod acquisition has really pulled down the average age of the overall fleet. Um, 
from 12 years for the TMI down to a combined 51 vessels of 10 years. And you can see all the routes they do and the sort of um, percentage for these different areas. So you can sort of maybe get a bit more of an idea about um, how exposed the company is to certain certain things. Uh, it looks like they don't really, uh, there's not really much going on through here, which is obviously a, a good good thing right now to not be going through uh, a particular section of, of water right now. Um, and yeah, there's there's quite a bit of stuff in here. Let me just get down to the, it's also a section on grind rod. Yeah. So you get a bit more of information about the grind rod fleet. Um, and there was, I think there was some talk in here. There was an interesting section where they were talking about uh, some of the, the, I think they've got a new vessel they're commissioning uh, to be built. And I think this is where things will go in the future, uh, where they will, they're commissioning ships that are actually going to be ammonia ready. So, which was kind of an interesting thing. I'm not sure if I can find that now. Um, yeah, they've, they've basically got a new, and I think that's where things are going to go long term because that's presumably going to be carbon neutral. The ammonia will be made using hydrogen that's come from uh, various sources. It might be white hydrogen they're getting out of the ground, or it might be uh, carbon capture hydrogen or whatever, or or from electrolysis in locations where there's uh, excess energy or whatever. So yeah, that's an interesting report. Um, I think it's going to give some good insights beyond just general ESG stuff, just into the the overall mix of the cargo, everything. You know, they, they give a lot of good stuff in there. So I'm going to looking forward to getting into this in in more detail myself. So finally, uh, we have Warner Brothers Discovery, and they currently have a publisher sale on Steam. And so this is like a, taken from the Steam homepage. They've got the banner across the top right now. Um, and then they also have and that banner then links to a publisher sale page where you can see, and they've, they've done right down various different franchises and stuff like that. Um, and you can really see all the different games that they own. But what I thought it'd be interesting is just to pull out some stats from the steam database and we can see that it has already been already the sales has been seeing a nice little boost to their sales of some of these games obviously some of the discounts are much more substantial than others like um hogwarts legacy is only getting a 30 percent discount bring it down to sort of 35 pounds for the base game um and this game is still incredible to see how um how much how well it's selling it's uh still number 15 and, and actually there was a i'll i've just shared on twitter actually but i just saw it unfortunately after doing this uh article but yeah there's um an article i i read giving the the september monthly data for the uk in terms of, it includes digital and physical game sales so that's in, it covers all 
console sales and everything. It's, it's, I think it's called the Game Stats Database, some GSD, something along those lines. And it's a European project. All the different um, publishers and and platforms all contribute to. So you get all the figures from sales figures from Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, etc. And we can see that Hogwarts Legacy is holding its own in fifth place still after all these after all these months in September. And I think the game first originally came out in February, if I'm remembering correctly. And then uh, Mortal Kombat 1, which I haven't listed here because it wasn't in the discount, is still holding its own. It, it did, did well last month in third place in overall UK sales. So some interesting um, insights there to the UK market, which obviously isn't the global market, but uh, gives you some some idea. It, and it is a big market for uh, for sales of computer games. And so, yeah, we just to give you a list of these titles, we have um, of the ones that were on sale and what it's done for them. So we've got some quite old games in here, like Middle-Earth, Shadow of War, which came out quite a long time ago. Same with Batman Arkham Knight, Injustice. Uh, all these games came out quite a while ago, and they... Uh, Injustice 2, sorry. And they still made it back into the top 100 sales list. So it just shows um, how the popular titles can continue selling. Though, granted, they'll be applying quite substantial discounts. So it's probably like 80% more for uh, quite a lot of these older ones. But yeah, so we had Hogwarts Legacy in number 15, Mortal Kombat 11 in number 20, Batman Arkham Knight 21. Middle-Earth Shadow of War, number 40. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, number 50. Gotham Knights, number 55. And Justice 2, number 90. So, yeah, pretty good to see them being raised back up again. And uh, then the sale drive. And, I mean, you could see as well in the concurrent player counts a lot of these games that um, have pretty low background sort of levels of play on Steam um, really getting pulled up substantially uh, into the thousands of concurrent players again uh, from these sales figures. That just adds further evidence to to the sales they've been sort of achieving from it. So yeah, it's um, it the game business is certainly strong, One Brothers Discovery. And I think Hogwarts Legacy as well has got like a 90% plus <laughs> positive rating on Steam, which is pretty incredible for um, a AAA game to, be, to do quite so well as that um, and I think it really is going to give it a long 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 life they're going to be getting money out of this game for many many years to come just like Batman Arkham Knight and Middle Earth Shadow of War and so on so right that pretty much um, wraps up this episode uh, thanks everyone for watching go check out the article over on fermaturns.com as you can see at the top here um yeah have a look on twitter i i posted a link to the article i mentioned with the number three and number five positions for um mortal kombat one and hogwarts legacy in the uk game sales database um so yeah follow me on there as well and and yeah if and anybody watching this it's the first time watching it please Give it a like, give it a subscribe. Let's try and get the 
YouTube channel growing a bit as well. So it's growing quite nice up to this point, but it's certainly slowing down a lot of bit and it's not as big as as my newsletter uh, following as well. So it'd be good to try and get them get a bit of a balance there. Anyway, thanks a lot everyone for for watching and I will see you all in the next one.